0: So here's the big question. How do B2B companies generate leads in today's changing market? If you're tired of struggling with sales and marketing, then this is the place to be. In this podcast, we teach you everything you need to know about B2B lead generation today. We are your hosts, Jake Jorgovin and Isaac Marsh, and welcome to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the B2B Lead Generation podcast. So super excited to be back here, and today we are talking about value propositions and your hook. And so today here with my co-host Isaac Marsh. And Isaac, what, when people are thinking about value
1: propositions, they're coming up with a hook for their business. Uh, what, do they, what do they need to be thinking about? I think the best place to start, and this always hurts my feelings a little bit, but is with the good old acronym KISS, KISS, and it's Keep It Simple Stupid. <laughs> and that's what we're going to be diving into today is just some of the ways that you can kind of keep your value simple, use it to kind of support your prospects, ultimate goals, vision, and just kind of run from there.
0: Nice. I love that. And we're going to dive in on uh, some ways to do that, but I uh, totally agree with that on the, um, you know, the, the keep it simple piece. Cause there's, we've all seen horribly long, complex like websites <laughs> that like, you don't even really understand what they mean or like the if you've ever read any corporation's website, it's like filled with more adjectives than it is like anything. It's so, just
1: painful, just yeah. absolutely painful.
0: So so when someone is trying to think and start to write out like their value, what they bring to someone, like how, how do you think about that?
1: Yeah, you know what? I think, I think I'm think i just going to be very hurtful today. Uh, one of the other things that I kind of learned when I was getting started was uh, you should always explain things like you're five. And this is one of the uh, questions I ask a lot of people who come, come to Lead Cookie and are, are wanting to work with us. As I say, okay, if I was a five-year-old, how, how would you explain your value proposition? To me? And it's one of those things where if that gives you pause, if you can't necessarily put it into words, that's not your typical kind of Silicon Valley uh, elevator pitch. It's kind of buzzwordy, all that fun jazz. Then uh, it's probably time to just start thinking, maybe go talk to, talk to uh, your nieces, nephews, someone you know and see if you can get some uh, boots on the ground there
0: yeah that's a that's a good one and again i know you've we've talked about it and there's a lot of tons of studies that most people are reading at that fourth grade level and it's like if you start throwing in like really like complex language or like some people like to like show off like your value proposition <laughs> your marketing copy is not the place to do that no
1: not at all and maybe that's okay in a little bit more of a branding or if you're kind of talking to people who are at your peer level. I think that that's um, one of the big things too Is is this is just jumping off or jumping forward a little bit. But so many people write for their peers as opposed to writing for their prospects. And it's one of those things where unless your prospects are your peers, then chances are you're going to be losing people before you even get started.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I know we've got some, we're going to dive into some common mistakes uh, here as well. And so we're going to dive into that in a bit. But I think the other thing that is useful to think through in all this, uh, as you mentioned, kind of like the, the two-second rule when like really someone, when they land on your website or they open up a LinkedIn message or a cold email from you, like you've got seconds to make an impact. Um, and like that's, that's really the snap judgment on if someone's going to decide to even read further. So you've really got to hook them in there right at the get go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you have to convince them that it's worth their time. That's one of the um the biggest things that I learned just back from my cold email days is that if you're writing someone a novel of an email, then that first line has to be the most incredible thing they've ever written or read and or read. <laughs> but chances are that's not gonna happen. So in that case, we keep it simple.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing I always kind of opt on the thing of like, if someone has to um, mentally decide if they're going to read your message because it's so long, then you're going to lose people right there. Versus if you can just keep it so short, so simple that they just read it and they don't think about "Oh, is this worth my time to read it? Um, Then you, you're going to see a significantly higher rate. And that's why we go with so many of the short and sweet messages, especially on LinkedIn, which is such like a conversational platform.
1: Big time. Big time. And you'd rather have those kind of back and forth conversations just to simulate what a real face-to-face would look like, as opposed to each writing blocks and blocks of text, which would make for a uh, particularly uncomfortable conversation in person.
0: Yep, exactly. So I'll dive here into, quickly into one of my, my favorite frameworks for if you're struggling to figure out your value proposition or exactly who you serve or how you serve them, um one of my favorite ways that I've I learned this from Elise least in a long time ago and I think a lot of people have written on this but it's this framework of I help X do or accomplish y through Z. so very simple of X is who you help so I help X so this would be like your target market um, Y is the benefit you help them accomplish and then Z is how you do that. so at Lee cookie we say we help you know b two b companies uh, generate leads that through done for you LinkedIn prospecting so we help companies, B2B, B2B companies generate leads through LinkedIn prospecting. And so it's that X, Y, Z format. And this is just a really um, simple framework to think through who you serve, what your actual benefit is you're bringing through them, and then what it is you're actually doing. And then that's not to say that this has to be what like you use as your marketing copy, but I find this to be a really incredible exercise to think through things if you're struggling to figure
1: that out. It's an easy fallback just for all your messaging in general, because it gets you asking those questions, who, what, how? And those are always super important when you're kind of looking at these, these potential customers, these prospects, and um, just kind of asking yourself in that order, who am I reaching out to, what am I reaching out to them with, and how am I doing it? And that's a good sense of just figuring out what the value is at the most base level.
0: Yeah. I love that. And, and I know you've also talked a lot about this kind of idea, just um, supporting people on their ultimate goals. And yeah. Patient. So I yeah. Wanna, this wanna is, dive <laughs> on that one.
1: <laughs> oh, you betcha. This is one of my favorite things. So, one of the biggest things is that um, I like to say that features are for you, whereas values are for your prospects. And when you're thinking about your prospects, Their ultimate goals and visions is what they want to accomplish. These are their priorities, whether it's a result of their job, um, whether it's just where they want to go in life, anything like that. And it's important for you to kind of align yourself with that. And so one of the easiest ways to do that and the best ways to do it is just to take the time to open up maybe 10 to 20 LinkedIn profiles is a great way to start of the uh, the ideal clients you're looking for. And once you have those open, just start looking for threads in common see what kind of language they're using if they're kind of mentioning specific priorities that overlap Um, and that's just a great way to get a sense of what your ideal prospects are actually looking for and uh, one example of that is we worked with a um a uh, company that provided a um, software service for health and wellness managers and it was one of the most interesting things because you would think that, okay, well, health and wellness, the first things you're going to think about is a healthy employee base. So they're more engaged and more productive. But what we actually ended up seeing was inclusivity was the big word that kept coming up everywhere. And when we kind of focused on that inclusivity and making the message all about how our platform was all about that, bringing in all different people of all different uh, different abilities and just making sure that it was a platform that made people feel very safe and very comfortable, all of a sudden the results just took off. So it's just finding what those people actually are interested in. And it's kind of taking a little bit of a blow to your pride too, because we might kind of go in and say, this is the best feature. This is the best thing. This is the best value I can provide. But in reality, it might not necessarily line up with what your prospects' current priorities look like, especially at that given time. Um, and, Jake, I, I know that I told you one of the other ways that I like to kind of get a better sense of what the current priorities look like is once I have those profiles opened up, I've seen the overlapping threads, is then to just do a quick Google search. And if you're targeting, say, CMOs, then target CMO, or then uh, type into Google something like uh, CMO priorities 2019. And you're going to get tons of articles from um, literature that relates directly to CMOs and you're going to get a sense of what people are actually looking at at that time.
0: Yes. I love that. And that's such a good, um, good way. And I love those approaches, um, to it. And I mean, the other thing I think is like, um, I think this is super valuable, especially like those priorities and the shifting changes. But I think if you're also, if you are having lots of conversations with your customers or you're serving, this is harder to do if you're maybe like a consulting firm where you're only sure. serving a couple of customers. But if you have a lot of conversations with customers, you're able to just like hear those words directly from them and Definitely. what their desires are. And so like with Lee cookie, you know, we had so many calls and I was like, yeah, I mean, ultimately it's like, I want to win more customers. I want to win more clients. And so we generate leads, but their desired outcome, their ultimate vision is they want to close, help like close customers. And then this is like, it gets into a whole nother can of worms, but like our whole entire vision of customer success is how do we help them, like support them, educate them, train them, provide resources so that they definitely feels. Um, and so that's just something that like, again, just getting clear on what it is they actually want. Like, do they want you to build custom software or do they want like to automate like their manual processes? Like that was a key one for an early customer we had and just that differentiation that definitely like it resonated and hit home. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's it to a T, and just kind of figuring out, like we said before. But it's it's one of those things where you can't repeat it too many times. But what is the end goal? What do they actually care about? Not you. What do they care about? And then how do you kind of put yourself in a way that you're the best possible solution to provide that?
0: Yep, exactly. So now let's dive into some um, some common mistakes here because Mm. we're we're given a lot of this, but there's like a lot of pitfalls people go down. And uh, first one we talked about, we briefly mentioned it, but talking in um, your customer's language instead of your own internal language, and this is one we we see a lot. Uh, so, you want to shed any light on that one?
1: <laughs> uh, like I said before, you're writing for your customers, your prospects, not for your peers. And it's one of those things where I guess it's it's kind of a, a beautiful thing in a sense but we all work in our own industries and we live, breathe, and sleep that. And you get to the point where you're so familiar with it, so close to it, that you kind of forget that other people don't necessarily have the same education in that level that you might. They don't necessarily have the same uh, commitment and attachment, any of those words. And so it's one of those things where it's really important to just realize that what you understand they might not understand, and so what you want to do is just kind of make sure that the words you're saying aren't for yourself. And, and I, I, man, I feel bad repeating this so many times, but the biggest thing with any kind of sales positioning is realizing you are the least important factor. It's realizing that the prospect, their goals, their vision, what they're going for, their priorities, all that fun stuff is priority number one. That's what you need to focus on
0: yeah and one i'll hit on this as well is there's one customer we had with us um, they had this super cool um basically like software platform for real estate properties to basically um like list their properties and everything online and like the i we you know we put together the scripts and then they came back and they were like they said something along like they just like they kind of like hacked it up and like made all these edits and like they're like the thing is like yeah we help like you know real estate developers like uh like synergize you know. i don't know it was like <laughs> like that their language was like um like like i don't know like streamline marketing or like with like marketing automation and like uh content management systems it was like it was like some crazy like lingo and i was like back, went back to him and i was like guys like I don't think this is how your customers are speaking. And on our call, we talked and I was like, well, how do your customers describe the problem? And they're like, well, most of our customers just, they just say like, ah, got a really bad website they're like they don't know they, they just they just know they've got a website and it's not really helping them on their real estate marketing and i was like they don't care that like the whole platform all the technology you guys built they care that this thing is going to help them like share their real estate properties in like a beautiful way to customers and it's like it's a website platform it's like ultimately at the end of the day so just like getting clear on that and just like simplifying it and thinking like How do, like, what do your customers say to to you when they come to you? Like, how do they describe it? Talking at that level and not your internal, like, expert level. It's the, um, just that expert bias that you kind of get to it.
1: Yeah, and I think a good place to kind of bring that in, um, again, would be unless you are writing to your peers. And this would be, like, for anyone in the technical industry, if you do, um, say, like, anything to do with databases, and you're reaching out to CTOs, something like that. At that point, it's someone who's on your level of understanding. So it's not such a bad idea to kind of show, again, not necessarily what features you have, but that you are aware of their problems and aware of how to solve them. I mean, one of the best ways to say it would be if you think about just a, a mechanic. If you are a car enthusiast and you go to the mechanic and you're talking about all the different bits and pieces under the hood then chances are they can talk to you at a pretty reasonable level however if the majority of us go into a mechanic and we don't really know what's going on and they're telling us every little piece then it's just going to kind of go over our heads all we really want to know is can you make a run can you make it solid and what's the, <laughs> the outcome is i get to go to work
0: <laughs> yeah and I'll, I'll even bring up like a total like counter example to what we just brought up that you're just going to remember it is like we had a, another company that was like um, they were developers in a specific language and they're reaching out to technical leaders who are working in that language and so like our our tagline is not like five plus years experience in developing developing in XYZ language and like with a bunch of like jargon and like acronyms on the back end that most humans don't know what it even means um, but to the awareness of their target customers. People were like, oh wow, they know these things and all this, and like, that hooked them in and was actually interesting. So it's like, gets away from that sales copy, but again, it's speaking to that level of awareness of where that buyer is, where they're like, they, they, like, what does that person care about? They care about having quality, technical talent that has experience and knows the languages and specific things that they need.
1: Yeah, and I think that like, I mean, we are kind of going counter, counterintuitive to what we were saying at the beginning. But it all just does come down to being very aware of who your audience is, and one of the best ways is just figure out what language they're using, speak in that language, and just don't overthink it.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good way to to think about it. And one other thing you've talked about a bit is like I think especially with bigger companies is this uh, careers and individuals there because that's also yeah. as well. So how do how do you think about that?
1: I believe that this was uh, Cal Newport, who was uh, talking about career capital. And just in the sense that one thing we don't necessarily always take into mind is what the people we're reaching out to have to lose. Because we're thinking, oh, well, they can increase conversions by 17%. However, when we present this to them, they're like, okay, we already have a system in place. This system already generates good results. If I bring something new in place and it doesn't, doesn't go well, am I out of a job? Is my boss looking down on me? Do I risk that promotion that I was hoping for? And we tend to think in terms of the ultimate benefits of the company without necessarily realizing that we're dealing with human beings who have their own particular interests, wants, desires at, that, at their level. And again, this is asking yourself, what is the ultimate goal, vision, priority, et cetera? And how do I make these people look good in front of their boss? Because that's one of those things where in terms of career capital, you have so much of it and you're always hoping that it goes up, but we have to ask ourselves, how can we keep it? How can we mitigate it so that we don't tank it in any way?
0: Mm-hmm. Now, that's a super good one. That's um, there's an old podcast interview I did um, on the working without pants show with a guy named Drew Neiser. And he um, they made their positioning around this idea of basically being like the CMO sidekick. And they're like, we don't care. Like we're not trying to say that we do X, Y, Z specialty. Like, our specialty is like, how do we support the CMO and make their life easier? And so to like, and they didn't take it from like the vertical industry, the niche. They were like, let's look at the individual, like the mm. buyer and like, let's talk from that standpoint and how we support them and everything. And they, they, they are phenomenal. He's like built a phenomenal business on that. And again, it's a different way to think through it, but how do you like the individuals at the companies you're buying and like how you play into that and make it safe for them? and reduce that risk
1: yeah i think that i mean that's just such a good point in terms of the questions you should be asking especially when you're reaching out on a more enterprise level is just what's to benefit what's at risk how can i increase the benefit while mitigating the risk and if you can kind of position yourself in that way it's going to be a much easier way to get in the door than if you're just coming in and saying hey we do xyz
0: yep I love that. Um, one of the last ones I'll bring up here that really comes out of comes to mind on this is just this idea uh, when people are trying to figure out this value proposition. I mean, if you're listening to this episode, you're probably trying to figure, figure out what to do. And I think this kind of idea of, um, of what I've seen a lot of people fail at is like niching out of like theory. And they're just like in their head and they just try to like pick a niche. Um, you know, they're just trying to like come up with whatever this is going to be. But, you know, sometimes like they're niching and it doesn't like, does a customer really care? Um, Or like they're trying to niche in something and no one else is really niching in it. Well, there might be a problem about reason behind that. Um, And so it's kind of like looking to see if like, are other people actually succeeding with that similar value proposition? That's always a good sign. Um, That's not to say you can't carve your own path, but you just got to be careful. Um, Just because whenever you're going and like you're doing something completely new, you got to wonder like, you know we've had people like try to be like, "Oh, we do this x y z ads for like this industry or something, and it's like it's just so like hyper niche like people go and it's like oh, no it doesn't it's just too much, so um that's just another thing just be cautious of going completely um blue sky original with your niche just trying to find other people that kind of replicate and steal from
1: yeah, no, I think that's that's exactly right, and we should probably dive into that in a further episode just to kind of talk blue sky, red ocean. And um, I always am reminded of that, uh, that quote from Bill Gates when uh, he was accused by Steve Jobs of stealing from, from Apple. And he said, honestly, Steve, it's more like we both broke into our wealthy neighbor Xerox's houses and I found you already taking the TV. So it's just the idea where, okay, if your competitors are doing well, if the people are in the industry are already doing well, look at their research. Look at what they're saying about their clients. And that's a great starting place as well.
0: Yeah. Again, you don't need to be, uh, there's a great book, steal like an artist. Uh, <laughs> and it's just like, it's a great thing. It's like you steal things and then you improve and you build upon them, but you don't, exactly.
1: Just,
0: you don't copycat. Uh, we've had people copycat the lead cookie website word for word. And that is unethical first. Like I'll admit lead cookie was a copycat of like the original concept of link selling was one of the first people that I saw doing it. And we moved into this space and kind of differentiated ourselves in our own way. So it's, you steal because like you see someone else who's like doing something in a space that's working, that's cool, um, but don't be a blatant. If I had ripped Link Selling's homepage and all of their copy, that would have been like uncool. <laughs> so mm. <it's laughs> be, like, be authentic with it and uh, steal like an artist, not like a, <laughs> a, a, a criminal. <laughs> so. Awesome. Uh, any final words or any, uh, any other points you want to hit on this, Isaac, before we wrap?
1: You know, and and I'm going to be that guy who just iterates <laughs> the same thing over and over. But it it's probably the most important thing, I think, when it comes to any business, is just be asking yourself, if you want to grow, ask yourself your prospects, your clients now. I mean, ask your clients now, just what is your ultimate end goal? What is your vision? And how can I support you in getting there? And that's going to be the biggest thing for just developing something sustainable something consistent and just also improving your reputation in the industry because people are going to know you as someone who wants to support them, not necessarily as just looking to make a quick buck.
0: Yeah, I love it. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for hopping on here again today, Isaac, and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you for listening. For show notes from this episode and to download our how-to guide for LinkedIn lead generation, head over to
1: leadcookie.com.